Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Great deal going on right now. You put down $5 on an NFL game, and guess what? If you win, you get $200 in free plays. Make it happen. It's that simple. I utilize it. Brad utilizes it. Everyone utilizes it. All right. We got some – there's been a lot of uh, a lot of doom and gloom lately around Arizona athletics, but you know what? That's not why we're here today. We're here to talk a little bit of U of A football. We're here to talk a little bit of U of A basketball as well. But you know what? When you snap a 20-game losing streak, that means that you have to have one of the dons on of the Tucson scene, and that's Mr. William Brad Alice. So, Brad, first and foremost, did you think that this was going to happen, that Arizona was going to be able to beat Cal even though they were missing half of their team? I thought they had a chance to beat Cal if Cal was healthy just because Cal can't close out football games either. And uh, the way they played on Saturday had Chase Garber's been there. Arizona's not beating them, but he wasn't. So Arizona, yeah, got the win, um, showed some resolve, made a, a few plays late. And uh, yeah, is there, should there be an asterisk next to it? Maybe. But the fact is, when you look back uh, in a year or two, no one's going to remember that 24 Cal players were missing. Uh, no one's going to remember that Arizona had their starting center playing left tackle either or that, you know, Will Plummer had a cut on his hand bad enough to get stitches. So uh, football is a crazy game and seems like Arizona football is a- extra crazy. Yes. You know, for people that didn't live the Dick Tomey era and granted Dick Tomey's teams played at a little bit of a higher level than uh, maybe this was, but this is kind of what it, this is kind of what a Dick Tomey game felt like when you were playing a good team that, not going to be a lot of first downs, not going to be a lot of scoring. And you know what? It's probably going to be close at the end and that you hope that you can get out of there with a victory. And that's what Arizona was able to do on a much smaller scale. This was a little bit, this was reminiscent of those times, at least for me there, William. Yeah. Oh, and I, I would, I would say that offensively this whole year has reminded me of some of those uh, classic Dick Tomey teams, but uh, you know, especially, and not that it's discontinued, um, since uh, Dick Tomey was there, but Dick Tomey only played weird games against Cal. Mm-hmm. I mean, there I was in the stands for the one where Arizona blew the twenty to nothing lead, where Terry Vaughn picked up the personal foul for trying to push his own teammates back to the right. sideline. Um, there were weird ties. There were shootouts. There were low scoring games. So it, I think it's very fitting that this one uh, was against Cal. Um, the, the only other team that I think they've had weirder games against might be Oregon, uh, but certainly the Cal series has always been bizarre. Yep. All right, Brad, we're going to get to some questions already. We got Hayes, um, excuse me, Jesus VAZ, great guy, uh, been a great contributor to the pod, and he says, hey, guys, what's your opinion on this? I feel Fish needs to get an offensive coordinator or hand the offense to one next year. I don't go that far yet, Jesus, because here's why. 
you're just not, there's just not a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think that, um, you know, if there was, if there was talent on that side of the ball, a lot of it, and you're getting these results, you know, I don't know that, uh, I would disagree with you, but right now I think it's a little bit too early to see or too early to look at Brad right now. What is your view from the fishbowl? Yeah, it's too early to, to judge because I don't know what is a product of the actual play call. What is the quarterback checking into? What is the quarterback missing? We don't have an all 22. Um, it's really easy to say, well, look, he's just throwing those little. Well, that might be just what the quarterback's taking because they're not very good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of criticism over over play calls with Khalil Tate when it was obvious that Khalil Tate was either going to throw an out or a 50-yard bomb because he couldn't read the middle of the field. Um, you know, even under even under Richrod, uh, who utilized him well. So I think it's a little too early to pass judgment. That being said, I haven't loved what I've seen. Um, I, I think the Jordan McLeod offense is the closest I have felt to a modern offense. Right. Uh, but I, I need to see more. So I can't tell you Jed Fish is a good offensive coordinator or play caller, and I can't really tell you yet he's a bad one. Um, but you know, if he said, Hey, I'm turning it over to Brennan Carroll next season, I wouldn't be devastated. And if he said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep it and, and we're going to evaluate. And, uh, do I think he's still learning as a play caller? Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think it's just, I think anything in the Jed fish era is way too early to pass judgment. Yay or nay. Uh, cause we just don't know with one year as a brand new head coach with a depleted roster, uh, in coming off a weird COVID year, it's just way too early. Uh, I've liked some things, I've hated some things, but we'll have to see. Now, for the quarter for, at the quarterback spot, it felt like Jordan McLeod was the only one. Like you said, made it feel like you know this was a this was a a modern offense, I guess, for lack of a or for lack of a better term, and that it wasn't just horizontal passing; it was vertical passing up the field. And you know what? You were trying to make some. You were trying to make some plays out there. With you got when you got Will Plummer. When you've got, excuse me. When you've got uh, uh, Gunner Cruz, it didn't really feel like this was a team that was trying to really score points, other than maybe just move field position. So again, I'm going to hold off a little bit there, Brad, just because I think with McLeod, even though they ended up losing games it still felt like the offense had a little bit more of a symmetry going on than maybe the, with the other two QBs, at least so far. I think McLeod did two things for you. One with the ability to run, whether it was a true read option, it was just that read option look because he can run, I think gave Arizona. And it's not that Plummer is not mobile, but Plummer is not a make you miss kind of guy. Plummer has some good North South speed, but you can't run a lot of that. And two, I, McLeod just sees the field better. I mean, it, it's obvious that the guy had played some D1 snaps at, uh, you know, at South Florida. Is he is he a great quarterback? No. Is he a good quarterback? I'm not sure. But he's a legit uh, FBS quarterback. I'm not sure he's a right, power five right. quarterback. Um, you know, would I take Anu Solomon over Jordan McLeod? Yeah. Would I take mm. Brandon Dawkins over him? probably but the fact is he is the best option they had by the time he got two or three games into the year he was behind the 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 eight ball in terms of getting reps in the spring because he wasn't here um but that being said i don't i don't think jordan mcleod's a, a, a an eight win quarterback but i know now that gunner cruz and unfortunately as tough as he is as good a kid as he is will Plummer's not either um, right but so you, you got, know 
But so let's they're, talk. Yeah, about, they're just limited. Yeah, so let's talk then. Arizona's been close in a lot of the games this season, whether that was against um, UCLA before McLeod got hurt. Heck, Oregon, uh, this Cal game right here, BYU. I kind of get the feeling that next year, if they get a little bit better play out of the quarterback position, this could be a team that goes from one win to four, four wins maybe. Again, I know that that's not – you know, maybe what people are looking for, but you got to take baby steps when you're coming off a 20 game losing streak. And if you were to tell me next year that Arizona goes four and eight or five and seven, I would jump at that there, Brad. Yeah. Arizona's been into the fourth quarter within striking distance or with the lead. I want to say in all but two games. And I think, you know, that was San Diego state. And that was unfortunately Colorado um, previous during the someone part of the losing streak. Uh, they were in a game entering the fourth quarter three times. So that, mm-hmm. that's your improvement. Now, we haven't seen the Stoops over Makovic improvement that amounted to, what was it, four or five wins. Right. Uh, so it's not that drastic of improvement, but he may be inheriting a worse situation as well. So that is the one thing that gives me some credence that things are getting better is they've been mostly competitive now. My argument would also be you shouldn't be in a competitive ball game with NAU, um, but they were, and unfortunately they lost that one. But I've seen enough baby steps that that's what keeps me at least optimistic that the Jed Fish era can still be a success. If they had, if if they had had these results, one and 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 whatever, with only three close games, then I'd be very worried. And again, I'm not proclaiming this a turnaround yet. But if you tell me next year they're going to win four or five games, I could believe it. Now, that means they have to get better at the quarterback spot. They have to shore up the offensive line, the safety position, nine other positions. But I feel better than I did uh, maybe after the San Diego State game. Okay, so Nick Howard says, is Plummer going to play with the hand injury? I don't know that yet. Um, I'm also kind of at the point, though, with the QBs where whether it's Plummer whether it's, you know, Luke Ashworth, they're the guys that they've thrown out there, you know, that have gotten consistent snaps outside of Jordan McLeod. And by consistent snaps, I mean throwing the ball 15, 20 times a game just really aren't, you know, just kind of not that good, just not good enough. And again, not sitting, no, uh, by all accounts, these are great kids. So just kind of leave that one at that. Now, the cool thing about being here and is that at Go PHNX, AZ Wildcats, get a lot of really cool guests and you know what every now and then somebody uh, reaches out so i'm going to be on the uh, doug gottlieb podcast here in about an hour or so so looking forward to that one for sure um i'll, I'll be ready to rock and roll but also want to remind you too that this is uh brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook app put in code word phnx you throw down five dollars you get two hundred dollars in free plays if you win the one nfl game and again What's the worst thing that happens? You lose five bucks. What's the best thing that happens? You turn it into 200. And you know what? 21 and only, 21 and up, Arizona only. If you got a gambling problem, call 1 800 next step. New customers only, minimum of $5 deposit, $1 wager required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. William, did you get any uh did you get any action in this week? I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the slate of things. So I, 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 I'm super conservative. Um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't like things. I didn't like, I don't bet on the chiefs. 
Um, was tempted actually to take the Browns and probably should have, but I didn't. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit of U of A hoops. And honestly, anybody that's lived in Arizona knows that Arizona hoops is what has controlled this city and has controlled this state. No offense to ASU fans, but Arizona basketball is what matters out of the major revenue sports. And Arizona basketball, that's for you, Jacob, right there behind the scenes. Arizona basketball, though, is here starting tomorrow night against NAU. Brad, when you're playing an outmatched team, because I've given my opinion on this a lot, what does an observer, an insider like yourself look for? What do you what do you want to see from the Cats tomorrow against the Lumberjacks? I want to see execution. I want to see a continuation of what we saw in the Eastern New Mexico game, which was, again, a team that was uh, completely overmatched. Uh, I want to see Arizona really come out strong. I think a lot of times under Miller more than Loot, but even you, we, there was a tendency to play down for a little bit. And then one of the teams would go on the run of death. And um, I would like to see, uh, you know, how he's using the rotation. Uh, I'm a, I haven't looked at NAU a whole lot. I'm guessing they're smaller up front as they traditionally are. So that would lead me to believe we're going to see maybe a little more Kim Aiken uh, and less Omar Balo. But, uh, you know, what do we see there? How does Creso run the point? Um, do they share point guard duties? Do they kind of play combo guard with, with Kyer? Do we see a Pella Larson sighting? So there's yeah a lot of little things I want to see. At the end of the day, you, you want to see uh, a one-sided victory. And whether that's 18 points, that's 18 points from the you know 10-minute mark of the first half, or is that 45 points because they go on a run of death somewhere late first half, early second half, um, I don't know. I'm not so worried about that. But just how how sharp do they look? How much do they run the system? Uh, how consistent are the guys who who should dominate inferior players at those positions? Yeah, and to me, that's it. And I, I look at the style of play too. And I think what's fascinating, and uh, your uh, our good friend John Schuster made this point on one of the post games too, is that a lot of the defense is predicated on offense. You're going to see, and you saw this with Luke. And again, Sean Miller's teams had really good defenses. There's no doubt about it. I mean, statistically, there were four or five of those teams that were amongst the top two or three in the nation. But what they didn't really do is they didn't force turnovers. And so it didn't, it necessitated a stop. It didn't necessitate a transition opportunity. Whereas with Lutz teams, you would see that where it would, you would get a stop. And then, oh, by the way, we got a three on one fast break going the other way. I get the sense for the first time in quite a while that this is going to be a much closer to what we saw under Lute Olsen and that, you know what, there might be some more chances taken, but it's going to be a defense that is going to lead to better offense. Yeah. If you want a comparison, I would almost say, uh, told me to stoop Stoops' defense was a bend that don't break. Keep everyone in front of you. Eventually you're going to make a mistake and have to punt or, or settle for a field goal. Whereas Tommy wanted turnovers. Tommy had you jumping routes. Uh, Lute had you jumping. You know, if Lute gave up 80 but scored 95, he was happy. Miller wanted to beat you 75 to 60. Um, So if if you give up a few layups because you jump a passing lane and miss, I don't think Lloyd's upset. You know, if if Coloco and Omar Balo are blocking shots, but that makes them leave their man and he ends up getting a, a basket, I don't think he cares if it happens one or two times a game to get those three, you know, block shots, which lead to transitions. Um, so I, yeah, I think you'll see more points scored against this team, but it may not 
I definitely think you're going to see them score more points. You know, if this team isn't averaging in, in the low 80s, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I would be too. And that's another opportunity. When Arizona gets here, you might, you're going to want to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And you know what? Code word PHNX, because again, we already talked about some of the deals going on where you got, you put down $5 on an NFL game, you get $200 back in free play. But I think you're going to see a lot of overs in the Arizona games this coming year, William. And that was like with Luke too, where now I wasn't old enough to bet at that time. But the cool thing about Arizona basketball back in the day was even if the over-under was 77 points and you've only got 46, you know, with 12 minutes left, there was a good chance they were going to go on a 22 to 3 run over about a five-minute stretch. And that's the kind of stuff that you can look at. You can check out a DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. The season's here. It's here tomorrow. NAU basketball. All right. Let's talk a little bit before uh, before we let you go here, Brad. And um, I look at Arizona hoops this year, and to me, Azulis Tabellis needs to be the best player on the team. Not saying he's the best NBA prospect, but this is a guy last year that I looked at and I said to myself, okay, sophomore year, Azulis should be a 17-9 and nine type player with the way that he can maneuver his body around the basket, the physicality that he has. Again, he's not the NBA prospect that a guy like a Ben Matherin is, but I think this is the guy that needs to at least statistically be the best player on the team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's got to definitely be top two. And looking at it, uh, you know, he has to – he and Matherin have to be the guys. If if they're not, then that either means someone really exceeded expectations or one of these guys did not meet expectations. So – I'd be shocked if if Tabellus and Matherin are not the two best players, the two leading scorers. And, and hopefully, if Arizona's going to be successful, one of the two is in contention, at least briefly mentioned, for, for Pac-12 Player of the Year. And I think Tubelis may have the easier route because I think he's a matchup nightmare in the Pac-12, which doesn't have a lot of quality bigs because he is kind of – he's – Big enough and sturdy enough to to bang with legit, you know, seven footers. But he's also mobile enough and crafty enough that those six foot eight, Oregon type, you know, Jordan Bell types, right. exactly, don't give don't give him fits. So right. I think he's in a unique position. Whereas you know, Omar Balo can't guard Kim Aiken, and Kim Aiken can't guard Omar Balo, you know, for, for the Arizona crowd. But Tubelas can guard both of them, and. Tabellus can play against both of them if he has to step out and shoot over a Balo type, and I'm using you know Balo as the example. Um, he could, but if he has to go and, and dominate, you know Aiken on the inside, which we actually saw a little bit in the Red Blue game, uh, where Aiken had some trouble hanging with him, I think we could see that. So I think that's what gives him uh, the advantage, maybe over Matherin, who is very good, and Matherin's the best pro prospect at least mm-hmm. for the upcoming for sure. draft. No doubt. But there are what nine similar mm-hmm. good players in the Pac-12 who have a similar skill set to Matherin. A few better, a few worse. But but he's not unique. Tubelis is fairly unique um, in 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 the Pac-12, which could give him the leg up on, on being that dominant player. And another guy too that is going to be fascinating to watch. And I think that people need to pump the brakes a little bit. I think he's going to be good, but is Kerr Creasa. Now, anytime you come in with a point and you're a point guard and your name's Kerr, you know, you're going to have some expectations on you. But 
I think he's going to be a good player for the Cats this year. I don't. I haven't watched him though. Whether it was in the exhibition or the red blue game, he doesn't look to me like he's going to be an all conference type guy. And I think for I think for Arizona to really take that next step, he needs to be closer to an all conference type guy. And I just don't see that so far in his development. No, but what I could see is that he and uh, Kyer together form a backcourt that's not dissimilar from the ones we saw. Uh, with Nick Johnson at the two, where he was also kind of a one, right? Or, or even when you had Kadeem Allen um, with whether it was with McConnell or who he was with, where he can kind of do some point guardy things. So I think the two man, and again, Larson may factor into this too. I haven't I haven't scouted enough of Larson, but I think you're going to have kind of a dual combo guard offense because I like a lot of what Kyer does, moving the ball, finding open men, what. Krisa can do in that regard so I think that's really what you're looking at is you're looking at can the Arizona backcourt be a borderline all-conference type backcourt by committee um, can they keep that two and a half to one assist to turnover ratio can they take care of the ball can they find the open guy consistently can they make the right decision whether you know there I think their games where Krisa is going to shoot it three times and he's going to dish out seven assists, but there also has to be some games where he's going to have to take the shooting load, right. and he's going to have a mismatch, and and that's what I want to see from them. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm looking for, the adaptability of this team to the matchups that work. Yes. Okay. So let's go. Let's hop in. Let's get a couple questions in here before we bounce. And again, appreciate everybody tuning in to the AZ Wildcats podcast. I'll be on with uh, Doug Gottlieb here in a little bit on his podcast. So pretty pumped for that. Be back in the A on there. Don't um, mention Loot not offering him a scholarship. I don't know. I would. I will. We'll we'll see how it goes for sure. Uh, maybe but, don't even mention that Miles got one and he didn't. Yes, right for that. sure. Which I'm sure that he's 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 brought up in the past. Before. He has. Right. So Nick Howard says, "Is this team a tournament team?" In your opinion, I 100 percent think it's a tournament team. And not only that, and I've said it before, I think by the end of the season, Brad, that this can be a back-end top 25 team. I think there's a lot of nice pieces here. Not great pieces, but nice pieces. And I think you're going to see a more aesthetically pleasing brand where Tommy Lloyd lets these guys work in a manner in which, uh, you know, maybe not would have happened in previous years. I think this team has a chance to be pretty darn good depending on the development of Creesa and Coloco. Mm-hmm. Um, working on a little something for my podcast, comparing them to some of the Miller teams. And if Creesa and Coloco can be as good as maybe, if they can maximize their ability, I think suddenly the starting lineup of this team becomes very interesting that all but maybe three of Miller's teams would 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 like most of these pieces. Right. Um, now that's a big if, you know, we haven't seen Coloco. Coloco has been great in the two times we've seen him, but this is also a kid who couldn't hit free throws to save his life last year. Right. But there's some potential if maximized, uh, that this team could be very interesting. Now, does, am I saying that's a final four team? No, but it could be a team that pushes Oregon and UCLA that gets a top five seed. That is one of those teams you don't want to see. Uh, I certainly think they're a tournament team. I'd be surprised, honestly, if they don't make the tournament, assuming they're eligible. Um, right. Because I just think they have enough talent 
across the board when compared to all but 19, you know, three teams in the Pac-12, they're at worst the fourth most talented team. Right. So uh, uh, last couple questions here. Jacob Franklin says, how many Pac-12 teams are tournament teams? I look at it right now. I think there's four. I think Jordan uh, Cuda 23 put out there, UCLA, Oregon, Arizona. I'd probably throw USC in there. Um, those to me are the four. And uh, as far as record prediction, I think this I think this team can win 25, 26 games. Um, I think in conference, 13 and 5, 12 and 6. I think Oregon and UCLA are clearly the two best teams. Right after that, Brad, I think Arizona's got as good a chance as anyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, USC has some nice pieces. Um, if your boy Dana Altman Crete was uh, coaching ASU, I'd love what he could do with some of those transfers. But Bobby Hurley hasn't shown me the ability to mold disparate pieces. Right. Um, and, you know, and the rest of the league took a lot of hits. You know, Oregon State brings some guys back. Stanford lost a lot. Uh, Washington State and Cal are, are awful basketball teams. Utah looks right. terrible. Um, so, yeah, so I think Arizona's going to feast on some bad teams, which is going to help them. They also have a strong enough non-conference that if they can just eke out, you know, what they have? I think they have six really good games, pretty good yeah. games in non-conference. Right. Even sure. you go like, two and four, three and three in those games, mm -hmm. you know, For Illinois sure. is going to be good. Some of the, you know, other teams are playing in Vegas. They're going to be good. Um, so I think Arizona, yeah, has a chance. And I think they can feast on the lower half of the pac 12. And if they can just be competitive with, you know, if they could even steal one out of four against Oregon and UCLA, that's, that's a pretty good run right there. All right. We appreciate everybody tuning into the AZ Wildcats podcast. Go check out GoPHNX. This is the time to get on there because you got a lot of stuff going on with the Suns, obviously. Got emergency podcasts where they break down everything behind the scene. You've got the Coyotes with Craig Morgan. You've got these, you got the Sun Devils, you got the Diamondbacks. Anything you want in the state, they pretty much got you covered. And uh, just in, hit subscribe here on the AZ Wildcats podcast. Got guys like Brad Alice coming on here. John Schuster is going to be on with me tomorrow, breaking down the post game. Brad's obviously got an open invite. He knows, as does Anthony Gimino for any post. And uh, again, really appreciate you, all of your contributions. Brad, as always, appreciate you as well, my man. Hey, keep killing it, Mike. Okay, appreciate you guys. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.